0: Welcome to Iron and Ceramite, Librarius Omnis, where we explore the depths of the Black Library. hello everyone and welcome to iron Ceramite uh presents library library omnis um obviously uh this is our series where we go through the books the Horus heresy uh you join us um midway through uh, book number nine mechanicum um we've already covered uh part one um which um took us three parts so mm-hmm. go and have a look at those first three videos if if this is your first uh entry into our discussion of the, uh, the books. Um, today we're going to look at um, the first part of part two because uh, we do like to go into our detail, discuss the themes and what's happening. Um, you join us obviously as we get into the second part. At the end of the first part, lots and lots has happened um, but the main narrative beat that we pick up on is the growing tension between uh, the night houses, uh, the Legio Tempestus, and um, Legio Mortis, as uh, Legio Mortis have uh, uh, set their engines to walk. Um, Mortis walks towards the Tempest line, um, or yeah, it is Tempest line, an old line drawn in uh, the Martian uh, territories that uh, each house, night house, uh, commanded. And um, obviously, you're not supposed to break, or breaking that line is effectively um, declaring war. And while that's happening, as they march towards it, the Stormlord of uh, Legio Tempestus, uh, Cavallero, is uh, pushing his engine, his uh, his Titan to breaking point uh, by trying to get there as quickly as possible, and demanding that his knights do not fire. Mm. Um, and obviously, that that is uh, we'll come into that a little bit because at the start of this part is very much about that that that. Co- Potential conflict and the the outcome of that, um, but that's where we left it at the end. We were obviously introduced, and, and we had plenty of other characters involved, including probably our main uh, protagonist, uh, Dahlia, and her uh, attempts to create this uh, this machine uh, machine, uh, the Akashic Reader, for uh, uh, Coriol Zeph, the adept of the Magma City um and their successes and failures in terms of that regard um, and that was one of the main narrative beats as we drew close to the end of uh, draw to the close event of, of part one though we, we, it's much more about the Titans and that's really where we pick it up now um I think that's about it John I think before we dive in does that, is
1: that I think you've you've covered it yeah and uh, and, if, and if you haven't they've all seen the other parts hopefully so
0: and go go back and have a look
1: <laughs> uh, yeah they don't need to know we've it's been like a month and a half.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we, we did it just the other day. <laughs> yeah.
1: So shall we shall we uh, dive in? Obviously, we've got our, our map that we've had. you've had time to look at that, and then yeah. if you've got the book, you can obviously join in with us. And um, yeah, we'll jump into part two. Uh Systeme Mechanicum. And as always, we have um our cheat sheet of um characters. Although you picked up before one of them's wrong, isn't it? Um someone's on here twice. I've already forgotten who. I was going to write over it. Um, I tell you who it is. It's the Tempestus one at the top on the right. They put Camelus on there.
0: Oh, that was it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They got it wrong. The Collegio Tempestus is in there twice, but it's not.
1: Yeah. But anyway, let's dive in um, and pick up where we left off, shall we? Yes. Uh, Chapter 2.01 and the Tempest line has been crossed um shockingly legio mortis have purposely walked uh, all the way from their fortress across all the mutual no man's land um and into the territory of legio tempestus and they've only done it with a host of fully armored titans um and although he's looking right at it cavalero can't believe his eyes um so like this. To say that they're supporting uh, Horus um in order to go to legions is one thing, but the fact that um, Princess Camillus has actually come out of his way to provoke a war is almost like unimaginable. Um, the adepts of Mars are known to war and fight over bits of land, and like... Perceived slights of honor, but um, the Titan legions or legios are above this and they're supposed to represent a united front of Mars linked to Terra, yeah. um, and be above petty squabbles from the Mechanicum. Um, but just to confirm their intentions, the uh, the massive uh, imperator Titan takes another step and puts it completely across the Tempest line, cementing their intention. Um, and then starting a war at this moment in time would ensure Tempestus would be destroyed. Um, mm-hmm. Mortis wouldn't go unscathed, but there's no way they'd be able to contend with this new monster. Um, the other princeps are now demanding to know from Cavalero to be given the order to fire. Yeah. And his warhounds are moving to intercept and he's had to give the order to stand fast. While well, he has to rightly consider his options um raptoria is straining itself uh, against its commander princess kazim um it's like a feral beast bloodthirsty and a cold-blooded killing machine and kazim's holding it in check um although it's desperate to open fire uh on this enemy and he's uh, having to physically like override the systems so it doesn't go off on its own (laughs) Um, which just seems mental. They've <laughs> got these things that
0: the machine spirit is not is not happy. It wants to wants to taste blood. It's very uh, very up for the fight. I think at one point doesn't he, or maybe it's maybe it's this point. I know he flicks over and sort of says like, all firing solutions need to be given over to him to try yeah. and sate the machine spirit and let it know that there is a chance that it's going to get to uh, get to get to have a bit of a fight.
1: Yeah, I mean, that, they were the next words it's come out of my mouth
0: so uh oh, okay there we go
1: um and yeah so but as well as the machine like he actually does want something to happen yeah he knows that it's going to be suicidal but i mean they're in these machines for a reason
0: hey, so, warhounds are uh that's nature like by their nature according to everything we've read so far in the book and oh. all of their uh knights that, that command them are hot-headed you know that's 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 you know they are there to they're the shock troops as it were they 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 haven't graduated into the bigger bigger mechs yet so they are they are keen to get stuck in even if it does mean they're they're going to kill themselves doing it
1: yeah well that's it it's go it's go big get promoted into a bigger machine or or go out in a in fiery ball of glory mm. um so like all all these uh, titan and crews are standing by but they can all see after the forced march that. um Cavalero's Victorix Magna is struggling um, and Sharik, the other princeps, is watching, hoping out that their commander will be able to survive this battle because they're going to need everybody uh, when it kicks off. Um, and not only do we have all these titans, but hovering around at their feet are the Skatari warriors. Um, and they're, they're like, obviously just going to get smushed. Um, but they've marched out with um, their legion Uh, to face this enemy. Um, And although they're obviously like, they're just no match for these Titans. Shaq is actually quite glad they're there because he couldn't um, deny them the opportunity to come out and and fight because obviously they're another proud warrior race who need to get their licks in even if it's suicidal.
0: Uh, Yeah, indeed.
1: Um, And then suddenly, while they're on edge, uh, the Vox spits out some unbearably loud scrap code um, deafening everybody briefly and they've had to shut off their Vox but that hasn't helped because the noise is coming out from um, the Titans uh, external speakers just as loudly um, and still disrupting everyone and Chirac can feel these dirty code lines worming their way through his machine and he's having to physically fight because he's connected to it to keep it from actually corrupting um, his, his tech Um, But while they're distracted with that suddenly the um, mortis change their course of action uh, and walk along the Tempestus line towards the eastern skirts of their homeland, the Ascreas Mons Uh Um, so Chirac orders his sensory operator to put an intercept course in um, and gets no reply and he looks over and sees that uh, this guy slumped over in his chair his eyes are rolled back um and it basically is just drooling his he, brain dead um and can see like the scrap codes got in and, and basically killed this guy so um he orders that this guy gets disengaged some other officers run over and unplug him and just sort of dump him on the floor um as he convulses as out of all like the i, I don't know what they are called like the plug sockets i guess um is lubricant and his brain
0: peels out basically just yeah all leaks out it's no fun like the it's grim dark. <laughs> the far flung future, it's uh it's no fun. There's no uh you know, if you can't do your job, that's it. You just get yeah. pulled out and slopped down until you can be dealt with later.
1: It just reminds me of the Matrix when um the, the yeah, pulling all of the chairs, yeah.
0: Yeah, stuff like the big old spike, data spike in the back of the back of the neck. Yeah. yeah they uh, can
1: see it coming, can't they? Like, no,
0: it's uh yeah, pretty pretty rough stuff for yeah. uh for, for anyone commanding one of these uh these war machines.
1: Mm. Uh, it's all fun and games, so it's spikes in the back of the head.
0: Yes, that, that <laughs> well well known phrase.
1: <laughs> uh, anyway, so <laughs> Shark brings up the map in his mind, um, and even this is now sort of infected um, as it. Normally, he'd be able to plot a course, but it, it, it's all obviously distorted. So he does the best he can. Um, and they try and head in the right direction, um, which these guys are heading in the fa- direction of the Fabricator Locum's forge. Um, so he plots his course and sends a message to the upper Titans, ordering to lower their weapons. Uh, the enemy's moving away. And for the time being, they can take a breath, um, realizing how close they were to starting this war but he orders um, the warhounds Raptor and Volpus Rex to follow Mortis to ensure that they leave uh, and don't do anything else. Um, But as he relaxes, a sense of dread emerges as he realises he's given his orders, but he hasn't actually heard anything from the Storm Lord. Um, And he looks out. As the dread rises, he sees a a pool of black fluid pooling at the base of the Titan. And even worse, uh, Victorious Magnus stood with its head bowed and its arms slacked against itself. Screaming out to his commander, he gets no response because the Victorious Magna is dead. Uh, and as you said before, Titan death—rough
0: stuff. It's mm. not good for not good for the Titan, not good for the driver, or, no, I... or any any the princeps or uh, any of the uh, the crew that are plugged in in any way because of the uh, what do they call it, cerebral feedback or whatever it is. Mm. Um, so no fun at all.
1: No. Um, so, thousands of kilometres away on the edge of the wastelands. Oh, I forgot about this guy. I like this bit. Um, so,
0: the, oh, the, uh, the prospector.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I forgot about him as well. Yeah. Um, so, in the wastelands of the, uh, I'm not going to pronounce it, some wastelands, um, there's a hardened scavenger named Quinix uh, trying to make a living traveling in his old cargo fire bulk hauler, um, which is just an old piece of junk barely holding itself together. Um, This guy is an ex-Skutari warrior who'd um, since let his body go, uh, who'd been let go, but I'll start that again. He's an ex scutari warrior. Uh, He'd been uh, basically fired because his body rejected all the necessary implants. Mm -hmm. Uh, So now he just um, scourges the wastelands, hoping to find any sort of scraps um, of worth to make some money. Uh, earlier, he picked up a signal stronger than one he'd found in decades out in the middle of nowhere and was making his way towards it, hoping that no other scavengers had detected it yet. Um, he was right on top of it, but he could barely see out of his uh, rusty old windscreen um, and his all specs were playing up. So he wasn't getting a very good uh, read on it. But He knew he was in the right area. Um, so he parked up, um, picked up his LAS carbine, and he sets out into the elements um, outside, there's nothing obvious um, other than a large sand dune where the single so- signal source seemed to be the strongest, uh, assuming that there's probably some sort of abandoned tanker of some kind buried under the mound, um, and probably the crew had abandoned it and tried to bury it before they could come back and recover it later. Uh, but all he knew is that he was about to make a tidy profit. Yep. Um, so he puts his shovel to work uh, and digs until he hits metal, um, that sweet sound and he wipes away the sand as best as he can and sees that the metal was fresh and, and free of rust but had, there were some blackened areas on it as if it had been hit with some intense heat um, as far as he could tell it was only superficial damage so he kept clearing away uh, and begins to reveal a large domed object almost like a battle bot um, and suddenly another strong signal pinged and as he looks around a bright beam of light and the roar of engines Takes over his senses. Uh, And almost as suddenly as the noise and light stops, um, he sees a group of figures marching towards him uh, from the heavy carrier craft which had landed nearby. As they approached, he yelled out, This is mine. I found it and I have salvage rights. And a voice answered him, said, Actually, you don't. That machine belongs to me. Uh, Quinix felt his heart sink as the voice came into view, surrounded by heavily armored Scutari warriors. It was an adept of the Mechanicum who stepped forward wearing thick red robes and an iron mask with glowing red eyes and a huge device slung over his shoulders. Who the hell are you? He demands. And the answer is, I am adept Lucas Crom." Uh, Never heard of you, he says. Uh, and Crom uh, says, look, come, I'm here to take you back to Mondus Gamma. Uh, and Quinix tells him, I ain't going nowhere, you. And Chrome says, Well, I wasn't talking to you. I was talking to the caban. Um, and with that, the sand beneath Quinnox trembled um, as the machine he was standing on came shaking into life as it powered up. Uh, Quinnox lost his balance and began to fall, sliding down the side of it until it fell and hit the ground below. Uh, this machine stood 10 meters tall, a roughly spherical body with two heavy weaponized arms by its side. And after a moment, it trained its weapons on Quinix's crawler and fired um, the explosion, sending Quinnox flying to the ground. Um, and uh, the blast forced uh, the rebreather off of his face. And he's laying like in the elements now, gasping for air, breathing in poison fumes of Mars uh, and can feel his lungs being eaten away inside, scrambling and trying to put it back on, coughing up bloody mucus uh, all over himself uh the b- machine begins to move and he begs uh as the caban machine rolls towards him and blood poured from his mouth as his pleas were ignored as the caban machine rolled over him grinding him into the soil i mean i like that
0: <laughs> yeah i mean it it started off um well, the way the way i described it it started off as a real um like a scene out of star wars and <laughs> that's what it reminds me of like some sort of um you know jawa or like ray from the beginning of uh, yeah. the new ones like bouncing around the desert finding scrap very very you know almost wholesome to a degree um it doesn't end that way
1: <laughs> <laughs> no so, go ahead. you know
0: yeah unfortunately that's the way that's the way it went for poor old Quinnox.
1: yeah it was a good little character for the two minutes he lasted
0: for the for, you know it, it's easy kill easy kill for the yeah. for the for the author
1: yeah perfect Um, So, while that's going on, elsewhere, um, we we, we go back to uh, Kelbo Howe and Regulus. Um, So the power that had been released from the vaults of Moravax uh, was nothing like he had ever known. Um, Not only uh, his own insight and knowledge, but there's physical uh, entities within as well. Um, And they stand and watch as a parade of augmented Praetreon battle uh, servitors march out all manners of shapes and sizes, some on tracks, others on wheels and some on legs, um, coming out and filling the engine hangers around him. Um, It's a great moment that only he and Regulus were there to witness, but this would change when he unleashed these new war machines of the Dark Mechanicum. Uh, The weaponized servitors uh, were huge muscular beasts in blackened armour and converted in uh, like barbed spikes and wore fright masks as they spewed nonsense um, from, from their box uh, units, and those without mouths emitted the scrap code from an <laughs> internal box, corrupting anything nearby. Uh, Regulus looked overjoyed uh, and said that the power of the warp and the Mechanicum are allied together in a glorious fusion, um, and Kelbor Howe accepted the compliment, ignoring the fact that Crom uh, had done most of the real work to get there. Um, The services are just the beginning we will now upgrade our skatari next and uh, the scrap code is already pouring through the flood flood stream all over olympus mons and is beginning to spread across mars um and basically now this is the start of absolute pandemonium on the planet
0: schism war comes to mars yeah and very much is the start of the, uh, the schism and uh, Kel Warhouse, uh rapid fall to uh, to chaos.
1: Yeah, and, and that's it. He's already, like, he's opened this vault and all, instantly it's now the Dark Mechanicum. Like, yep. instantly, he's, he's changed it. And he's not even hiding it. Like, you call yourself the Dark Mechanicum, you're not a good guy. one of those good guys.
0: Yeah, it, it is It is that moment where you, you've got to stop and ask yourself that question. You know, are we... Are we... Are we the bad guys? Like, because you know, as I said, it's you don't call yourself the Dark Mechanicum. Like, that's not you know, that's not the way. It's not the way to do it. No. You know, but um, I don't. I don't well, I mean, did, when when did they call themselves the Dark Mechanicum?
1: Well, I mean, that's the first time it's been mentioned. Like, uh, uh, when the the, the new new um, prequels come out, that's uh, that's the first time it said his new uh, warriors of the Dark Mechanicum. I think yeah. he officially announces it a bit later. Um but yeah, that's but like, yeah,
0: if that's what he's, he's dec- decided, does not he? Like, if that's what you're deciding to call yourself that, so that's bad news.
1: Yeah. You think you're gonna come up with something a bit more creative, just so it wasn't so obvious.
0: Hearts and minds, right? Hearts yeah. and minds. You're not yeah. gonna you're not gonna you're not gonna win over any uh anyone that's on the fence by calling yourself the dark mechanic. Oh, <laughs> exactly.
1: Oh, <laughs> we're just a bit emo, that's all.
0: Yeah, 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 no, it's fine. No, no, we're well intentioned. There's no chaos here. Uh, yeah. Yes.
1: So, how does it work? So, the virtually like every port, uh, any connecting point of Mars is linked together. Like this is how they work. Information shared across the planet. Everyone's connected. Everybody knows everything instantly. Um, everybody is connected, no matter where you are. Um, and somehow the warps code will eventually. Touch every forge uh, and undertake its great changes wherever it can reach. Yep. Um, Regulus warns him that there will be resistance. Not everyone will be overrun so easily. Uh, right, the forges within the Magma cities are already providing difficult, um, especially those of Maximal and Kane. Um, and as they expected, Ada Zeph had been pioneering this new form of new spheric data transfer. Um, and her allies had already modified themselves to rely on this. Yeah. Uh, Regulus is unfamiliar with the term, but uh, Kelwood tells him uh, not to worry. He sent Melgator uh, the, to see Zeph to sequester her data and determine her loyalties. So the new sphere is basically Wi-Fi. Uh, the, the Mechanicum yeah. runs on Landline but Zephyr's created Wi-Fi.
0: It, that's pretty much it. That's exactly it. It's all, it's all in the air because it's not plugged in. It's not getting uh, the virus that's uh, effectively the scrap code. Uh, you know, it, it's uh, yeah, a virus in nature in terms of how it infects and gets through the entire system. Um, yeah. You know, it's killing or turning. Yeah. Whereas um because they're all on the Wi Fi, they're okay.
1: Yeah. Um, so, Melgator's going to, to visit her in person, and Regulus Hiss says that he already knows that she's an enemy of the War Master. Um, and he has reason to suspect this, as when the Vault of Moravac had opened, the sky above Olympus Mons had blackened and raged, released, releasing freakish weather patterns that had echoed in every corner of Mars except hers. Mm-hmm. At the exact time that the skies had blackened, a bright light had emitted from Zeph's Forge. Um, not knowing what they had seen, um, Cowboy Howard asked what it was it an accident or a weapon, and Regulus had simply replied, It is an enemy revealed.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but a bit a bit vague. Like it could have been a bit more specific. Um enemy revealed, yep, fine. She she's potentially an enemy. Mm. Um, but like I, d- I couldn't get from this whether he actually knew what it was or whether he just knew it was potentially using, like, the uh, Astronomicon or, you know, what what was happening there. It was a bit vague in his uh, his description, other than he thinks that they're not on the same side.
1: No. Well, that's it, isn't it? He, I think it's to the point where everything's so planned, especially on regular side, like, beyond anybody, he knows what's going on. Yeah. That sort of – well, that wasn't planned, so clearly that's – not what we wanted to happen that's that's an enemy, and he might just want to be and he can say an enemy's revealed I'll tell you more later, and then he'll sneak off and start doing some research and come yeah. back come back when he knows
0: have a, have a bit of a look yeah
1: but he he's probably one of the few characters that can afford to be a bit cryptic because he, he is the ambassador to the to the war master isn't he so yeah he's safe for the time being I would assume um he he can he can uh he can play it up even to the guy who's supposedly in charge. Um, yeah, but that, oh, that was chapter one. So now we move on to um, chapter two point zero two. Um, if my computer works, there we go. Yeah, uh, and we'll go back to uh, Dahlia. Um, last we were with her was she'd run into um, the the chamber where. Um, or what's he called? The Jonas Milus was um, being nice. torn apart by um, the Astronomic Astronomicon.
0: He was it, the, the, the all of the secrets of uh, everything, yeah, were being revealed for him. The device was working as intended, yeah. uh, well, maybe not as intended, but certainly it was working,
1: but they hadn't accounted for the actual amount of power that was coming through and that's what yeah. uh, went wrong and everyone said don't open that door and she opened the door and went in um and we know what happened to her because now she is unconscious and um although um she's sort of unsure of her whereabouts she's not dead she's unconscious and we're in her head uh but she can't quite work out where she is is she Um, Is she in real time or is she in a dream? She can't tell whether she's trapped in one place or if she's moving. And in her unconscious state, she's following these specks of light, but they keep disappearing. Um, But she slowly but surely remembers who she is um, before she wakes up. Um, Meanwhile, the rest of Mars is under attack from the warp-powered scrap code. Yeah. And it's like this this scrap code is like a living being hunting its way through various ways that connect everything and corrupting everything as it goes. Um, A few of the forge masters managed to detect this threat early enough to avoid complete disaster.
0: Try and pull the plug.
1: Yeah. Um, Although even the ones who saw it coming were not fast enough to remain unscathed. Various factories come under siege. Like one example that they give is um the assembly lines at Sinus Sabal, um, whose gigantic um assembly lines had non-stop produced Lehman Rust battle tanks for hundreds of years, suddenly grinds to a halt, never to move again. Yeah. Um, in the Tycho Bray ammo storage facility that belongs to Hired Up Diego. Um, a rogue set of commands raised the temperature in the facility um, and caused the Promethean tanks to explode, sending uh, liquid flame throughout the facility, detonating billions of tonnes of ammo uh, and just wiping it off the face of the planet. Right. So that must have just been... There must just be another crater somewhere in Mars. That the, yeah,
0: the, the, this scrap code is, is really malicious and it's not like... It isn't just about infecting things. It's It's a bit more than that. It's really yeah. just fucking shit up <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> that's probably the most scientific way of putting it <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it's like this is going on like everywhere destroying technology so like those that that place is um creating the Lehman Rust tanks that's like the place Lehman Rust tanks have made yeah now it's gone like it's stopped that's it um technology is being erased um it's like er- everything this touches is just unrecoverable uh, and then with it overnight, it says like over 900,000 people were dead. Um, and then the scrap code, once it's had its fun with technology, turns its sights on the astropaths on the planet, um, seeping into like hydrogen cyanide gas that fuels the life supports. Um, and in like one instance, 6,000 astropaths on the planet died with a combined psychic scream that was even felt in the Emperor's vaults of terror. Um, And with their death, Mars fell silent to the outside or any other planet. Um, Epolyn Maximal, he was one of the few able to to disengage his forge. But three of his fusion and um, suffered prior critical meltdowns, uh, exploding and poisoning the soil for thousands of kilometres around. Uh, And they set off chain reactions across Mars. And then within minutes, millions more had died. Um, and this would eventually be called the night known as the Death of Innocence on Mars. And the only forge that had been completely untouched uh, was the forge of Alep Zeph, and we wonder why.
0: It's definitely a way to draw a target on you, back. <laughs>
1: well, yeah. And that's how—that's why she's the enemy. Uh, so nothing about the way she built or designed her forge um, had contributed however the scrap code was unable to travel through this glittering golden wires uh, which had just been touched by the Emperor's light and now her forge remi- remains the only ray of hope in the new darkness and uh Dahlia wakes up and she's uh, in the medical chamber as uh, Gandalf standing oh sorry wrong movie um- <laughs>
0: Gandalf
1: hmm <laughs> <laughs> So she wakes up and uh, basically instantly she's questioned for five hours by Zeph, um, who just wants to know everything what happened. What did she see? What did she do? um, Until her friends um, were finally given access to come to her. Um, Zouj tells her, like, you gave us a real scare and she apologised and said she didn't mean to. And he laughs at her and says, you opened a door to a room full of psychic energy, but you didn't mean to. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
0: I, I think that's fair. I think yeah. that's a fair comment.
1: Yeah, I'm glad someone called her out. Yeah. Um, and She says like, she couldn't leave Jonas to die in there uh, and the others like can't sort of meet her eyes um, and it turns out that not a single trace of him was found after the incident um, and along with Jonas, all the psychers had died um, and all of the, this little team that works together actually really are affected. They all feel like
0: they're in a different uh, way, like, aren't they? They're all yeah. they're all carrying their uh, their guilt.
1: Yeah, like, they like they've obviously she Dalia in one way was a bit lucky. She got knocked out, but they actually had to watch everyone die. And we don't know how long it has passed, but um, obviously they're they're dealing with the clear up now. Yes, which m- must have been
0: messy. pretty pretty grim. Yeah. Pretty grim, you would imagine.
1: <laughs> um, and they and they ask like, "What was Zeph asking her? Um, you must be devastated. The machine's failed." And uh, Azuya says to her, "Like the, the machine didn't fail. It yeah. worked for a moment before completely overloading." Um, and Dahlia says, "Like Zeph wants to know about Jonas's death and what he said." And Caxton says, um, well, "What did he say?" And she looks up at the pick screen uh like the CCTV camera basically and lies and says he just died yeah um so she gets out of the hospital and the next six days they get back to work um building the or rebuilding so the Akashic Reader um and after the previous oversight this time everything is checked and double checked and every single aspect is examined and and basically, check where they could make any slight improvement. Um, and like Zeph spends very little time with Dahlia after this, and is absent for most of the reconstruction. Leaving um, her apprentice Polk to run things with Rumu Thirty One, watching over them. Yeah. So it's a bit um, shady now, like Zeph.
0: She's, she's yeah, she's like kind of wandered off. She's looking at other things. Seems a bit sus. Um, obviously, Romu uh, thirty one is um, wheeled in again as a protector, someone yeah. to keep keep eyes on stuff. But it's like very um, hands off, as it seems. That well, it seems shady, but actually, you'd think about it. Zephyr's has now got lots of other stuff to deal with, given that Mars is exploding. Um, no, no, but uh, Dahlia doesn't necessarily know that.
1: No, no, I suppose I, I didn't think of that either. Yeah, she she probably has. She's got a team working on it. She knows they're capable. You're right. She's probably got uh, a lot of panicking elsewhere to do. Yeah. And and that's all that sort of leads you on. So Dalia asks why Zeph's not more involved, and uh, Romu simply says there's more important things to deal with. Oh, there you go. We should have waited ten seconds. <laughs> and um, there you go. Yeah. And uh, and Zeph says like she asked her a few more times um, about. Jonas's fi- final moments, but she doesn't change her answer, uh, but she knows looking at Zeph's aura that she can see that uh, she knew that she was lying um, but something in the back of her mind is telling her not, not to trust Zeph with this new piece of knowledge Yeah, um, because after all knowledge is power uh, and there's only a few people that she will trust with this um, information and at the moment Zeph is not one of them the uh, Akashic reader a bit later is nearly completed um, although it will be months before Mars and Terra would be realigned. Um, but there was still some power left over from the recent Astronomicon um, that had been harvested. And they were now already bringing in fresh psychers um, and reinstalling them into the coffers. But at this time, a new empath had not been located. Yeah. Um, so while they're working, Dahlia pops over to where Caxton and Zuch are working using a very loud laser to cut through metal. And as she approaches, they turn it off and greet her. And she glances over to where Zeph is working nearby. Uh, with turn hers. it back on. Turn it back on. Yeah, basically. <laughs> and they say, why? She because I don't want her to hear me. Um, and she's asked them about, well, she, I don't know how they do it. It must be shouting like, over this thing.
0: I, I think that's it. I think, maybe you know, old school techniques still exist, <laughs> even in the mechanics. Mechanicum.
1: yeah I like so how did this damp damper use uh, we used to block out the external interference um would you be able to make a portable version of it um, and Caxton sort of assumes, well is it you want to block. Block out Vox thieves and pick screens and stuff like that, which I think to us is microphones and, and CCTV cameras. CCTV, yeah. That's um, it. And Zoot says he doesn't like the idea of secrecy. It won't end well. But she just says, I want to know if you can do it. And he says, Of course I can. Uh, and she says, I-, I want to talk to you all. But I need to be sure that no one is listening. I'm going to tell you the truth about what Jonah said to me. So obviously, it's going to get done.
0: Yeah.
1: Everyone loves gossip. <laughs> Yeah, exactly that. Uh, Yeah, probably for no other reason, really. Just Everyone needs to know. Um, So they meet later on. um, They meet in the canteen. It's a huge room filled with all the hungry workers gossiping about any little detail they have from the surface of Mars. And luckily for them, everyone's too preoccupied with what's happened on the planet to worry about them sitting in uh, a corner having a chat. Yeah. Um, So when they're ready, they turn the device on and Dahlia tells them, Jonas spoke to me and everything he said made no sense. Um, and sort of, they're all obviously a bit glum and a bit tired and shocked. But uh, Severine suddenly snaps to attention and she seems a bit shocked that Jonas spoke to her. Um, and a bit, I think a bit later on, she seems a bit jealous. Um, so she gets a little bit whiny when anyone refers to him as the empath. Um, yeah. He keeps reminding me he had a name. Uh, she doesn't like it that they're just calling him Empath um, because, obviously, they played a hand in, in killing him. Yeah. Um, and eventually, like, they get round to it and Dahlia repeats every word for word what, what happened. And she tells him that she said that she was sorry for what happened, but he had told her that he didn't want her apology. He'd seen the truth. He's free. Tells her about the Dragon of Mars and the Grand, Line, the Grand Lie and the Labyrinth of Night. And um, Caxton and Millicent have both heard of the Labyrinth of Night and they call it the Noctis Labyrinthius, which is a silly name.
0: (laughs) It's very, it's very 40K.
1: Yeah.
0: It's very 40K. Mm. They could have just, you know, kept it as the, you know, the Night Labyrinth, the, you know, anything they like, but no, because it's 40K. It's uh, kind of Latin, but not really.
1: Like it's uh, just, you know, it's nonsense, la- Latin. Space Latin. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and they, they, so they say, like the the Labyrinth of Night. It's a real place uh, on Mars. It's a broken and desolate uh, wasteland, and it's like famous for being a maze-like system of sheer, deep-walled valleys. And like years and years ago, a number of adepts tried to build their um, forges there, but everything they built failed, and eventually the area was abandoned. Uh, no one can account for why, some unknown and unfixable technical issue. Um, Lucas Crom's forge is to the south of it. And other than that, Zeph has the closest forge, but it's still a very long way away. Yep. Uh, they then discuss the Dragon of Mars. Uh, and Dahlia can only compare the meaning to like fables and stories, um, even from our time about knights fighting dragons, uh, stories that have been told from the dawn of man. Um, And obviously, there are hundreds of similar stories, um, but the premise is always the same. The hero seems to represent all powerful uh, a being, and the dragon always appears to be a force of chaos or evil. Uh, And the other thing that they have in common is no matter who wins, like whether the how many times the dragon is defeated, it never truly dies. Its power or energy always seems to be used or harnessed to change or improve life of those left behind after it's killed yeah um, but the message is the same good fights forever uh, good and evil fight forever and neither can truly die um as in defeat one will always try to find its way back um and butting in Melison says well what's the point of going over these stories and Dalia tells her that in her coma she felt as if her mind and body became detached and she actually became part of something else um and they say, "Well, you've just sort of blown up. Maybe it's a hallucination or a head injury." But she says, "No, it, it's definitely something real. It's as if the Akashic reader linked her mind with some kind of old power or knowledge, um, and she believes that it may be something to do with the dragon that Jonas had spoke about. And she doesn't think it's dead, but it's somewhere beneath the surface of Mars, and she wants to find it."
0: <clears throat> old? Is it a dragon? Is it really a dragon? Is it something else? um what what's the emperor got to do with this well that's it all, all telling questions to be to come later
1: yeah i know um it's weird to imagine that i wonder if they're actually expected at this point i know that they're still they're all still getting their head around it but she's obviously seen something i wonder like does she actually think it's a dragon like reptile or something else
0: yeah i mean it, it, that's it is is the dragon of mars like you know there's i mean in the lore, there's loads of different bits and pieces about it is it was it just something symbolic was it something else was it an old necron construct like multiple different bits and pieces that it could actually be um that never really—I'm sure somewhere in the book it's explained in a bit more detail. I, I, you know, I've read different bits and pieces about it. No one knows for sure, but what, what we do know is that obviously the emperor was involved, um, and that's what helped seal the uh, the pact between Mars and Terra. Um, but obviously, as as this book has dictated, and as we've we've heard, there's a lie somewhere in there. Yeah. Um, there's something else going on. So what what does what does that actually mean? And Uh, all of that is going to become clearer if not answered. Certainly become clearer by the time
1: we get to the end. Yeah. So speaking of uh, people waking up from uh, comas, we go back and he's not dead. We join Princess, Princess. Oh, I say Princess. Princess. (laughs) Um, Cavaliero wakes up with a throbbing headache, um, struggling to open his eyes at all, as if he's been submerged underwater. Although around his body the water feels thick and sticky he's completely disorientated but he can hear a voice and he's trying to focus on it Uh, and he he can move so he moves himself forward until his hands and face were pushed up against a thick pane of glass Uh, the voice spoke up again saying his name and he tried to reply but his mouth was full of fluid Um, after a few tries he's actually able to speak and the figure on the other side of the glass seems pleased and um, Another unseen figure um, tells him that he's glad to see him awake. Um, and this figure tells him that he's in the Medicaid facility um, back at Asgraceless Mons. Yep. And um, the figure introduces herself as Agafé. Um, <clears throat> and she's there to act as his aide or familus to assist with his needs. And he says, well, why do I need a familus? So I'm not a cripple. Uh, and she said, maybe we should wait a while for you to recover before I tell you anything else. Uh, and He bangs his fists up against the glass and demands an answer because he's the Storm Lord and he yep. will have an answer. And she says, well, uh, how much do you remember? And he relives his last waking moment as this monster machine from Legio Mortis is bearing down on him and this agonising pain as his own um, victorious Magnus' heart ruptured. And he remembered the death scream of his Magos Argi um, as he died with the machine. And then he fades to black. Rough stuff. Yeah. Um, And like this agonizing pain hit him in the chest as he relived the experience. And he wept invisible tears um, inside the blood flex suspension fluid of his new amniotic tank. Uh, And that's the end of chapter two.
0: Yeah, rough rough times for uh Princeps Cavalero. He's uh as I said, experiencing Titan or experienced Titan death. Mm. And that has obviously uh yeah, put him where he is now, which is uh floating around in uh he's a goldfish, effectively.
1: Yeah. And that was the thing, like before when we first met him, it was like one of the conversations he had is that's something he never wanted to experience. He never wanted to end up um in one of yeah. those
0: it's, it's interesting as well because it speaks to the development of the Imperium generally because by the time we get 10,000 years in the future from this into 40K, um, obviously that's standard practice. Uh, most princeps are uh, amniotic in, uh, in, in how they, they join with their, uh, their machines and part, part of the machine. Uh, but back then, uh, that, was, that was like the, the last result.
1: Yeah, it's like when, you're, when your body's given up, but you, it's, it's almost like their version of being put into a dread, isn't it?
0: A, a little bit, yeah.
1: Yeah. No, you can still serve the Emperor even in death.
0: Yeah, in de- boy, that's it. Only in, uh, only in death does duty end. And in, in this instance, death means, um, like, well, just being absolutely eradicated. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. They just they can't... I mean, I suppose, though, because I know, like, obviously nothing really happened. So it would have been a bit of a horrible way for like their Stormlord to die of just having a heart attack. Cause he ran a bit too far.
0: Yeah, that, I mean, that's it. Cause the only thing that happened to him was because he pushed the, the Titan too much. Yeah. Um, but obviously, you know, at the time he needed to do it because he faced with, um, you know, a challenge to their sovereignty. So he pushes it to the point that that's the way it goes. But yeah, it's a, it's a rough way of going out as a, like, the noble knight that he, he sees himself as. Um, mm. So it's a bit of a rough one. But, you know, uh, actually, as as the story goes on, perhaps it's not the uh, the worst thing for
1: him. Oh, no, definitely. Uh, we will we'll, we'll see, won't we? Indeed,
0: indeed. <laughs> bit of foreshadowing.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, right, so chapter 2.03. Um, and the jewel of the nor- northern forges, uh, Mondus Oculum, belonged to uh, Cain, He had the most industrious weapon shop going and only rivaled by the forges of Lucas Crom at the Mondus Gamma. But although Cain's was still far superior. Um, Although all the forges of Mars were geared towards supplying troops for war, both Crom and Keynes' specialties lied at the feet of the Astartes. Bolters, blades, battle plate, armoured vehicles, you name it, they've got it. Um, The weapons were not the only things owned at his forge. Astartes, deemed to have an affinity with the mysteries of technology, were permitted to study with the master adepts. Uh, so, Kane himself achieved some of the finest. Um, Tekel of the Salamanders, Gebrin of the Iron Hands, and Polonin of the Ultramarines. Um, the most valued and most industrious forge of Mars, owned by the second most powerful man on the planet, was one of the few to have avoided outright collapse. Um, Over three weeks since the mysterious storms emerged over the forge forge of the fabricator general, Kane was still uh, trying to keep his forge running as usual, or as close as he could. Uh, The storms, um, even though they were hundreds of kilometres away, um, had even affected him. Thousands of his workers had turned to rioting, suicide, or murder. Uh, His security had not been able to squash the mini rebellion, and it had had to run its course, leading to many factories and workshops being completely destroyed until the rioting uh, wound itself down. Uh, Most of his outer factories had been taken down by a corrupt message running through the comm system. uh, But luckily, the damage was reduced, with Kane's quick reflex of shutting it down completely. and luckily, he was able to keep up and running because he had recently converted most of his systems to, to the Wi Fi system.
0: Yeah, and, indeed.
1: <laughs> um, so Kane turned to his assistant, uh, Leichin, and said, Will my systems be repaired soon? Um, and is given an estimation back of between six and 30 rotations, which he's not pleased with because obviously the mechanic are very precise. And six and 30 are, it's it's quite a gap.
0: Yeah. And how, you know, a rotation, I'm assuming it's the rotation of the planet, but yeah, you know, maybe maybe that's me reading into it too. Maybe that's too obvious. I
1: I would, yeah. I mean, I I would say it's the way they say a day, isn't it? A rotation day. So yeah, I mean, between a week and three or four weeks, that's not ideal when you're potentially at war.
0: No. And you've got lots of stuff being ordered by, um, angry superhuman soldiers <laughs>
1: yeah. oh yeah definitely um and like they're just having like trouble because like the code scrubbers can't seem to keep any infected system clean yeah um and every time they fix one another um default picks up um and he says to kane like the source seems to be unknown but appears to have spread outward from uh, the fabricator general's forge suggesting that they were f- the first to be attacked but kane's sug- suggests maybe that's where it was released from but yeah regret saying that out loud um his suspicions had been growing as he'd not had any communication from the fabricator following these attacks and obviously being number two you'd expect to hear from number one when the planet's in disarray
0: yep absolutely
1: um, all the vox systems had been shut down to prevent infection off world comms were impossible because of a strange psychic backwash Uh, and Kane could only communicate now with Zeph and Maximal, thanks only to the new sphere. Um, Neither of those had any good news to share. Uh, Maximal had lost three reactors and taken most of the damage. Uh, Zeph admitted to a failed experiment resulting in the death of all of her psychers, and Kane assumed that the psychic backlash was due to this. Uh, And to make matters worse, before the shutdown, uh, Maximal would receive some data speaking of a mass disaster on the Istvan system.
0: That, yeah, it's begun.
1: Oh dear. Uh, and at least, and that's a good thing because now we're sort of lined up uh, with some of the earlier books. We know where we stand.
0: Yeah, timeline wise, it's pretty clear now.
1: Yeah. Uh, but for those on Mars, details were still sketchy and not confirmed. But it was believed that the third planet of Istvan was now an ashen wasteland. Um, Kane knew only one weapon could do that, but could not fathom why the War Master would unleash a life-eater planet, a uh, life-eater virus on a planet, unless it was a desperate attempt to defeat an impossible foe. But all that was known from this was the Astartes had taken a, a horrendous number of casualties. Uh, between the three Forge Masters, they were trying to restore order and to avoid a secondary attack, whether it be digital or physical. Uh, Maximal's common system was the least damaged so he was working on that, While Zeph had sent envoys to the Titan Legions Kane didn't really like Maximal, although he appeared to be loyal he had expressed too much fear and unsurety as what to do next and Kane didn't think that he, this guy would ever achieve any real greatness, but he actually respected Zeph, um, she was a, an innovator and learned from the past rather than copied it as Maximal yep. um, And with that thought, he took Lachine and they went back to work. (coughs) Um, Elsewhere, the Iquitus Bellum was back up and running with Maven at the helm, and he was out back on patrol, followed by his friend uh, Cronos and his knight, Pax Mortis, through the trench of the west of Arsia Mons. Um, Maven was having difficulty because the Bellum felt skittish, as if it was trying to resist him in everything, seeing him struggling. Chronos uh, said, "How are you getting along?" And Maven tells him that it's pulling away, as if it's trying to guide him. Um, it still wants to find the thing that hurt them, yeah. uh, but that is not their mission today. Um, so again, like no, the Titans and like these knights, they just—we've we've sort of touched on it—they just have their minds of their own. These war machines, and even though it's like been fixed up, it's still—it's still not fixed.
0: If anything, it's more skittish. like yeah. it they do not seem the most optimal way of uh, waging war.
1: <laughs> not, not at all. Um, anyway, so the, the the current mission, the Knights of Tyrannus, um they'd also been hit by this disastrous attack across Mars, um, but they'd fared a lot better than others, but they were still not unscathed. Uh, luckily, they were allies of Zeph, and they were also on the Wi-Fi, um, but... <sighs> a shred of scrap code, had breached their libraries, wiping out thousands of years of data, including the full honour roll uh, of this ancient house, um, which is probably quite savage. Like considering how proud they are, and it's all probably like,
0: worse than anything else. Right? That's that's yeah. the bit that's going to sting them the most.
1: Yeah, I know, like you, you'd—I I always imagine like they'd have it engraved in the walls somewhere. But if they had it all converted
0: over to uh, digital. They're, they're screwed, aren't they? Yeah, yeah indeed. Indeed. Mm. It sounds like that's that's the way they've done it, which, yeah, again, not maybe not the...
1: You would, yeah, it
0: doesn't... Yeah, it doesn't strike me as a standard way the Imperium would do it. You would imagine it'd be carved into some sort of um, statue or memorial, some description. Mm. But,
1: I, I mean, unless they had... Um, unless they had it written down, and maybe... Yeah, we're thinking it's wiped out. Maybe it was a fire started. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, yeah, that's
0: true. Yeah, it just way. raised it, raised it to the ground.
1: Yeah. Um, either, either way. So that's all gone. And the scrap code had also tried um, to discharge their main coolant reactor. But luckily, um, they were quick enough to shut it down and prevented their own nuclear holocaust um, and, and obviously survived. But it didn't machine. What that meant was any machine that wasn't already charged up and ready to go, will not be able to move now until the cooling machine is repaired. Um, So now they're not going to be at full strength. Um, And following that, the house has been ordered to march um, and assist in the defence of Zeph's magnum city. Um, Because they were now low on numbers, instead of riding the usual freeze, they were now um, patrolling in pairs, Old Stator had been dispatched with Brother Gentron, who had just been recently elevated into his position. Uh, Maven and Kronos patrolled almost continuously, only stopping to recharge and refuel their mounts. As they pressed on, um, Maven felt the struggle to stay in control increasing, feeling a pain in his head as if the knight was forcibly trying to disconnect from him. Uh, Suddenly, (laughs) a familiar image flashed across his visor and he halted the knight feeling his headache subside as he did so. He called out to Kronos, telling him to halt. Um, He sent the image over to Kronos, saying this is what I saw before we were attacked last time. Uh, And Kronos looks and says, there's nothing there. Uh, And Maven argues with him, said, look, the Bellum senses it. Like a gut feeling that I trust, um, and I'm going to follow the machine's instinct and hunt down what attacked me. Um, And Kronos says, you'll lose your spurs. Basically, you're going to get fired if you do this. Uh, and Mavor says he doesn't care. I need to do it so the uh, Bellum can finally have closure, and it'll maybe it will stop misbehaving. Uh, and as a good friend, Cronus gives in and agrees to go with him.
0: Slop, sloppy discipline here. Like <laughs> this is not what you need at a time of war.
1: <laughs> I mean, anywhere else in the Imperium, he would have been shot in the back of the head. Yeah,
0: that's it. Like the other, t- the other, the other warhound would have just turned on him and gunned him down.
1: Yeah. And would have been, uh, sorry, he malfunctioned. Heretic, <laughs> yeah. and they'd have believed him too when he went back. Or well, they weren't yeah. cared. A lot of people don't seem to care.
0: Well, they would have just looked at the data logs and gone, "Oh yeah, yeah, look at that. He did do that." Mm. And that but would have been that.
1: On the flip side of it, like Cronus, uh, obviously he rides the same thing, so he must know how it works. And if the things are playing up, there for a reason, I guess.
0: I suppose so. I, I mean,
1: you're bloodthirsty, yeah. Shane. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm not the one going off
1: mission. (laughs) Well, all right, fair enough. So we'll end this chapter with uh, Dahlia, um, who was asleep. She wakes up with a scream, uh, sensing something moving in the darkness and hearing the hiss of a dragon breathe uh, and something say her name. Even with her eyes shut, she can see this uh, outline of a hooded man with a mark of dragon under his skin. Uh, Caxton was woken by the disturbance, turned on the lights, uh, and Dahlia opened her eyes and could see that the things that had woken her weren't there. Um, after waking from her coma, Dahlia had found that she couldn't bear to be alone and had developed a fear of dark, uh, fear of the dark, uh, a strange feeling that something was trying to pull her further in for eternity, and she would never be able to escape. Um, She told Caxton this a while ago, so he moved in with her. Um, Although she felt there may be an ulterior motive on his part.
0: Oh, Um, shit. (laughs)
1: Um, As they sit up together in bed uh, and Caxton puts his arm around her uh, and she tells him that it was the same dream that she keeps having. And he asks, well, what does that mean? And she says, it means it's time to leave. Um, And he says, look, we'll go with you. I'll go wake the others. Uh, let's get going. And she sees the determination in him, uh, and gives him a kiss. And they prepare to leave.
0: Ah, uh, noble Caxton.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Scared of the dark, are you? Yeah. Uh, I, I know how to solve that.
0: Yeah, that's all right. Oh <laughs> yeah. uh, dear, but yeah, fair enough, fair enough.
1: Yeah. Uh, do you want to do another chapter, or? Uh, we are yeah, we could do another one, yeah, cool, yeah, cool. Uh, and that brings us into chapter 2.04. Um, so Dahlia and the rest of the group make their way through the magma city, hoping to remain unnoticed amongst the never ending flow of workers. Uh, they're all nervous, they've left the forge without permission, uh, and now, as members of the cult mechanicum. They have a lot to lose if they're discovered. Um, Severin mentions it being a very bad idea, and Caxton snaps at her, saying that she didn't have to come, but she says that she needed to, uh, without any further explanation as to why. Um, Dahlia tells them they they do need to do it. They've unlocked something by using the Akashic Reader, and we need to find out what it is. And Zuch corrects her and says, we don't, you do. I'm quite happy not knowing uh, and Dahlia says, well, why did you come? And he simply says, because you asked for my help. So loyal, loyal friends. Um, and they all now make an effort to move with confidence, hide the fact they're trying to avoid being seen. Uh, and they're definitely trying to avoid protectors. Yes. Um, Darley is very grateful that her friends have come. Uh, their skills will all be useful. But more than anything, it's being alone that she can't handle. Caxton's come clearly because he's in love with her.
0: Of course, yeah. Yep. Good old no, noble Caxton.
1: Zooch has come because he said he would, and that's what he's going to do.
0: Yeah, fair play.
1: <laughs> um, and Darley suspects that Severine has only come out of guilt because of what happened to Jonas.
0: Uh, probably. I, I think she's, she's probably nailed that, all, all free for free. Yeah.
1: And uh, Mellison was the only one who hasn't come with them um there's no hard feelings or malice melison had told them someone needed to carry on and finish what they'd started and she was simply too old to go on an adventure although she did want to uh, to get out of the city they needed to use the meglev which is, maglev, basically yeah. maglev, which is basically a train um and it's basically the subway below the city um they move um through the flow of workers towards the platform Uh, and Dahlia is desperately trying to avoid sights of the protectors who are policing the traffic flow. Bazooch is leading them through the crowds to the correct platform, which feels like a massive maze, um, and a box of Vox comes over the air, but no one catches what it said over the noise. As they're trying to work out what was said, a voice says, it said the next maglev will be delayed by 275 seconds. Dahlia flinches as she recognises the voice, and turns to see Romu 31 standing behind them. Not what she wanted to see.
0: Yes, although that's what, not what she wanted to see, uh, but she, maybe she doesn't have the full context at this point.
1: Not yet, we don't. Um, and we're not going to get it for a minute. <laughs> no. Cavalario, <laughs> no. Uh, um, Cavalierio? Cavalierio? What, what was that? that- the Cavalero um, watches as the enemy reaver he just killed falls backwards, um, a hole burnt clean through the centre of it, and he revels knowing it was dead before it hit the ground. He's back on the battlefield, he feels alive again, especially standing over a downed enemy, but he also has the knowledge that the second enemy reaver is hunting him. He can feel the heat in his arm as his blast gun reheats and the vibrations in the other as his mega bolter reloads, ready for his next attack. Data floods his mind and he's given full battle awareness in the speed of a fort. Uh, As he's given orders, an enemy warhound appears, smashing through nearby buildings to get at him. The warhound fires at him, but luckily his shields hold off the the worst of the impacts in quick response he fires a storm of explosive rounds back at it staggering the warhound back against the buildings as Cavaliero closes in he detects the enemy reaver is now closing in at around 600 meters and although together although they're no match for the warlord um if they work together they could get the better of him um and he closes down the warhound fires his mega bolter straight at it as he fills the Carapace mounted missiles firing off, knowing that the Reaver joined the fight and his crew had automatically fired first. The Warhound was now injured, but still defiant, firing at him, weakening his shields. He ignored the pleas of his crew to fire on the Reaver and finished the Warhound with another volley from the Mega Bolter, killing it, this time splitting open its Carapace, engulfing its innards with flames. Suddenly, he was himself engulfed in immense pain the Reaver stood off to his flank, its plasma gun still smoking from the shot fired, hitting Cavalero. Another barrage of rockets hits him. The panels inside his um, control panel exploding in flame, killing some of the crew. Knowing that it's too late, he fires off all his rockets back at the Reaver. Both the Warlord Titan and the Reaver exposed and now without shields face each other. Cavalero grinned and fired the full power of his blast gun into the Reaver's face. Great,
0: and point back, range.
1: Yeah. And um, Agafé watched the battle unfold on the holific projection table, admiring the skills of the Storm Lord, Storm Lord even as he was destroyed. Um, so if you got your hopes up thinking that he was back on the battlefield, that was just a simulation. Um, and he's being monitored. Um, although everyone's quite happy with his progress, Um Princeps Sharik is watching along with uh, Vlad Suzak and Jan Mordant, mm-hmm. uh, who all acknowledge that the Stormlord is definitely getting better. Um, but Suzak doesn't think it's enough. And they argue between themselves about his performance. Uh, was he killed because he's not ready? Was he acting recklessly because he knew he was in a simulation? Can they take that risk with him in a real Titan? Um, Mordant argues that despite dying, he did manage to take out three enemies single-handed. Sharik says that he did at the expense of his crew, and a warlord titan and commander should know better. Yeah, um, which is probably the first time that we've seen anybody in command care about the deaths of a crew. Normally, this, is, if this everyone- is
0: true. Yeah, this is true. Normally, it's it's not really a factor that people care about too much. It's very much the princept is the uh, the the star of the show, and everyone yeah. else is kind of. Um, ancillary to it it's not really something that's important to them um but in this instance he he has sort of mentioned that you know actually what does he say he says about that the 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 commander's duty is not only to like win the battle but it's also to bring everyone back home again yeah exactly um, which is is very unimperial
1: yeah and like in the very few Glimpses you've had inside Titans before. That's not no one cares. Like you have creep blowing up all over the place, you know. Like the 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 guy in charge is always the last one to go. And you have like it's like when you watch um Star Trek and random controls explode and the red shirts go flying.
0: Red shirts die first.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um but yeah, someone's written in that they care. Maybe that's the only way they can get people to apply for the job. <laughs> <laughs> We'll get you home. Don't worry about it.
0: Yeah, no, we'll definitely get you home. It it, it may be in a wet sack, but we'll get you (laughs) home.
1: Oh, yeah. We're not all of you. Some of you.
0: Yeah. Mm. The Um, identifiable parts of you will be returned.
1: (laughs) And if not, then uh, you won't be remembered.
0: No. No. (laughs) You're menial enough that no one cared in the first place.
1: Um. So yeah, obviously the, the concern here is that um the stormlord's not taking on uh his duties seriously at the minute um and not taking on the safety of his crew. Yeah. Uh so based on this uh, random random act of kindness, they d- decide that until he's fit to take that command, Sharak will take command of the Legio. Um the others all agree and Agafey flinches, hoping that the Stormlord can't hear what's being said. Okay. But- the amniotic tank.
0: It might be too much for him losing his Titan and his Legio.
1: Mm.
0: Well, he's not really losing it, but he, he probably wouldn't see it that way. Yeah.
1: And it's only for, it's only for a little while. Yeah. Um. And uh, yeah, it'll, it'll all work out. They got to get, they got to get him back on his feet. He, need, he needs to focus on uh, his battle skills before he can worry about anything else.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, so, um, dahlia um a little bit of heartbreak for for the moment um at the site of roman 31 and it's not just the odd smell of oil and rotten meat that uh is upsetting upsetting her because obviously that's what he smells like because his fleshy parts are still dying which yeah. is
0: <laughs> real 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 rough yeah. mental mental picture there not one you know you've got to really not care about yourself at that point
1: uh it's like it's a really hard way to make friends as well surely and you just reek. It's a, it,
0: it feels a bit death guardy, if I'm honest. <laughs> it was good. Yeah, no, I was going to say, but you know, right up your right up your street, but um, not. It, it it it. There's so much, not hypocrisy. But you know, the 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 line we say good guys and bad guys. The line between the two is very very thin, grey, yeah. muddled. Uh, you know, because if you were doing that Death Guard green, you'd be called a heretic. But if you're doing it for the Omnisire, that's cool.
1: Well, yeah, that's it. But he's more robot, isn't he? It? It's like he's, he's yeah. going above and beyond to prove that flesh is weak by just letting it fall off of his body. It's, it's,
0: it, you know, it's, it's a tough, that's a tough sell. I'm sorry. <laughs> they
1: must leave a trail, surely.
0: Yeah, yeah, I guess so, yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh horrible anyway we'll leave you with that image um so um dahlia can't manage to say anything more than hello until zooch manages to step up uh, and tries to make an excuse for them being there basically lying and saying they've come out of their way to scout a new delivery route for suppliers to try and make things faster uh, and everyone else jumps on and tries to expand this lie uh, just making it worse until it's
0: very very um, weak it's a yeah. very weak lie
1: yeah, um, and Dahlia actually she's so embarrassed that she sort of wishes that the floor would open up and she'd just fall into lava, um, because the others are embarrassing her. Um, and eventually she just shouts over them and tells him the truth. Um, we're going to the Noctus Labyrinthus, uh, and Romu Thirty One says, "Well, why would you go want to go there? Nothing good can come of it. Only the cult of the dragon is said to dwell there." Uh, and this only reinforces Dahlia's need to go now because. Obviously, Roman. Yeah, told her there's a cult of the dragon, so uh, she's
0: having dreams about dragons.
1: Yeah, uh, uh, I was right.
0: Yeah, suddenly it's like, oh, yeah, there's only the cult of the totally unrelated dragon that lives there. And it's like, <laughs> <Yeah>. Oh, really? <laughs> ah, well, a oh, coincidence. Now you mention it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, fair, fair enough.
1: Yeah. So she says, "Like, no, we're going." Um, what do you know? And he says that. Uh, when the adepts tried to settle there uh, and all the settlements failed, not everyone left. Um, a cult of madmen r- remained behind. And she said, look, I don't know why, but I do need to go there. Uh, and Romu says, are you sure about that? And she's surprised because she's expected to be stopped. And he says, look, actually, now you're going. I have to come with you. Yep. Uh, Zooch is confused and says that they're travelling without Zeph's sanction. So surely you should be dragging us back to her. Um And Romu says that the mission is to keep Dahlia safe, not restrict her movement, which is even more confusing for the group. Uh, And he says, look, the planet is in turmoil uh, and the information that's common in the forge is only a small percentage of how bad things really are in the wider planet. Uh, The terror of Old Knight threatens to return and he believes Dahlia is the key to salvation. She may not know it, but he believes in her. Uh, and Dahlia thanks him and says, I don't need your thanks. I'm your protector. That's what I'm gonna do. So she thanks him anyway, and they had and they head to the maglev. Um, Zef stands in a tower reading through the streams of data coming in, mostly from Kane and Maximal, but others from more desperate sources who had survived in the death of innocence and were seeking help. Melison stood beside her, and Zef told her that Roma had found them and would keep them as safe as he could, although they're now on a dangerous path. She ordered Mellicent to delete any knowledge of Dahlia's destination from her memory banks to go back to work. Um, I'm now expecting a visit from the ambassador, Melgator. And that yeah. ends that chapter.
0: And, and a, good, a good halfway point, like just over halfway through this part. Yeah. Um, definitely moving quicker than uh, than part one. Mm. Um, and you know a lot like the full the fallout of um just just the chaos above um is is quite interesting to read from 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 their point of view yeah. um you know it's uh it's a shame like I said, it's a shame about the storm lord but maybe not he actually seems to be enjoying himself like yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so you know that's that's cool um but obviously there's there's more afoot at the moment and, you know, we can't work out or, or the feelings about Zeth bounce from good to bad because she's like, you know, to begin with, she's, you know, is she got sinister different meanings? What's going on? Um, but then actually she's like, no, Dahlia's got to go and do this, whatever this, whatever that happens to be yeah. um, and send someone out. To, to, to protect her all, all the time. So it's, yeah, it's a bit of a strange one.
1: Well, that's it, isn't it? It's like, uh, well, and, and that's the thing, like, Melissa's clearly, I don't know if the word's betrayed, but she's obviously gone and told Zeph what's going on. Mm. Zeph sent Romu to protect. Um, so she's obviously not, Shady, but she knows that like, we know the reason that Dahlia was saved is because there's something going on with her, she's got this ability that no one else has, so clearly, like dragging her back and holding her prisoner is not the right thing to do. Yeah, she's she's made up her mind. Zeph knows that something's happened, um, with Jonas Miles, so why not let it play out? Because keeping her there is not going to help, and also. Melgator's coming, uh, and she knows that it, keeping people around uh, of value is probably, she's probably safer out in the wastelands than she is there.
0: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Old uh, Melgator is not a good, not a good dude.
1: No, I uh, mean, well, he works for the Dark Mechanicum, so how do you know? He might be a really nice guy.
0: <laughs> it's <Yeah>. just, <laughs> it's another one of those things, it, it's not a name that strikes good guy. um melgador of the dark Mechanicum doesn't, no. doesn't say a uh, good guy to me
1: <laughs> no exactly you're not going to buy it buy anything off him are you
0: <laughs> no no definitely not well i'm no, no, not, not sure after you know something under the, something shady <laughs> well,
1: do you want to wear a death mask and be covered in spikes does that appeal to you
0: some people would go for it Right. Yeah. Like, you know it, it depends how much they don't like the emperor i suppose.
1: I guess so, um, but yeah, I, I like that. We're we're really ramping up now to to war on Mars. I think uh, we get through part the rest of part two, um, and then I'm pretty sure we get into part three. That's when it's all like it's just hell for leather.
0: Yeah, really goes through. Um, it'll be interesting to see that as well because it's been a while since. Um... I read or listened to it the first time around. And um, I remember last time when I, when I listened to it that first time around, I remember the last part going by really quickly. Um, so it's going to be interesting to, to to read or listen for it again, and then uh, and then talk about it. Cause as I said, it is, it's a massive, I remember when we first both read it um, or I talked about it. It's a massive change of pace, this book in that it's quite dense yeah like the wording everything they talk about the way they talk it's it's a total um like change of uh thinking when you've actually got to got to absorb it because it's it's just a denser book whereas the marine led books you know especially at where we're up to now
1: yeah
0: you kind of got used to you know how marines are how they function you know how they're built how their cha- uh, legions work because it's legions at this point all of that makes sense this is entirely new to us as readers, yeah. so it's it's definitely a change of pace,
1: and that's why I think the first part we end up doing in three chunks because yeah, it was just so much to re explore and and figure out.
0: Yeah, but once out. once you get used to that, then your head's in the in gear, as it were. Yeah, um, and then part two and three tend to tend to whistle by.
1: Yeah, cool. Um, well, unless you've got any other bits to add for this part, we'll uh, we'll wrap it up. I think.
0: No, I think I think that's it. I think, uh, as I said, yeah, it's good, good, good progress made through uh, through part two and uh, looking forward to finishing part two off.
1: Yeah, me too. Uh, so if you're not, uh, if you're listening to us on Spotify and you want to see what we look like, I don't know why you would come over to YouTube. Uh, we've got this and some other stuff going on. Um, we're on Instagram where we obviously paint all our models and do other bits and pieces, and we've started doing uh, painting competitions uh, that Tommy's running. So go and check those out and get involved because they've been re- well. The one we've done has been really good fun. Um, I think by the time this comes out, there'll be a second one on Tom's page. Yeah. Um, we're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. So at Ina Sarah Mike uh twitch patreon same thing element games the link will be in the description of the video um, when you buy your hobby stuff next use our link if you want to support the channel you um, you get your hobby supplies discounted and then at no extra cost to you we get a little bit of a kickback and we will put any money we get back into the channel improving those battle reports that we're making uh and i don't even know if you're playing combat cards still
0: i i am i, I like i was playing it long before anyone else uh well uh, other than Glenn and yeah. at that point we didn't know we were both playing it yeah. um but yeah uh, me and him the the addicts uh the addicts of the group um yeah. very much addicted to it always tussling for uh for first place on the group yeah. um Glenn had has actually uh, as of as of recording had a storming start to this particular month's worth of uh worth of uh games um, but I'm pleased to say that I'm currently topping the table <laughs> again. Um, but it's hard going. It's back and forth at the moment. Yeah. So we've got a very active group at the moment, actually. We're fully subscribed, uh, oh, wow. 50, 50 of 50 in the clan. Um, so if you are interested in joining, um, you know, uh, do do always look us up. And if there is room, jump on it, because uh, as I said, it is, it is a particularly full clan at the moment. Um, but, you know, if you can get in, have have a have a go and see whether you can uh, you can topple us on the uh, the leaderboard.
1: I'm gonna to have to uh, earn my place and start playing it again. I think.
0: Well, I was going to say there's a, there's a lot of active people on there at the moment. A lot of new, not a new players at the moment as well. So, oh,
1: really? oh no one will notice me creeping back in. Then
0: no no you'll be fine.
1: <laughs> well, I guess I'm not sleeping tonight. Then. <laughs> All right well let's uh, let's say goodbye and we'll see you on the next one. Cheers. As always, we would like to thank you for listening to our Iron and Ceramite podcast. If you liked us, then you can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and any other good podcast services. Just remember, in the grim darkness of the far future, there is only war.